The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast World Cup Special. My name is Chess Warren and this podcast is in partnership with Her Game 2. I have with me today renowned football journalist, She's she's everywhere at the moment. She's been doing loads of stuff. She's recording stuff after this. You're jumping on, on spaces after this, aren't you, Mia? We've got the fantastic Mia Erickson. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day today and coming on and having a chat to us. Yeah, no no problems. I call this my media day, you know. Your, media, <laughs> your own media day. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah with, with uh, every recording I've been doing throughout the day I, I told my mom because I'm visiting her uh, right now that okay this is my media day so I, I will take requests uh, and do it do it all today she needs to book a slot to be able to make you a cup of tea but I, I understand that exactly. you're very you're very in demand at the moment this world cup yeah we might as well just cut straight into it because there's been so much going on as as is the joys of tournament football the group stages provided a number of shock exits from the tournament and so we may as well start with a big shock exit from the round of 16. sweden have knocked out the number one ranked team the team that was planning on doing the three-peat the United States of America. It was in dramatic style too, as it went down to penalties and Lena Hurtig's strike was mere millimetres over the line, but they did it. Sum up that performance for me, Mia. Yeah, and I think to me that was the perfect round of 16, uh, if you know what I mean, since the number one ranked team in the world uh, were gonna was going to play uh, the third ranked team in the world already in the round of 16 so you can't get a more even game in one way uh, I would say uh, because of what decided the game in the end but but also I do think that people forgot a little bit that the US actually they are uh, the champions uh, of the World Cup twice um before this so to to even think that that was going to be an easy game for Sweden no matter how uh, the US had performed before that I thought that was a pretty stupid take from from some people so but to me as a Swede I do think that uh, what I'm taking with me from that game uh, is the fact that Sweden played as a team they defended for their live, lives as a team. And you could see small glimpses of the Sweden we are used to see uh, when it comes to uh, defending. Yeah, the, the defensive shape was really good. I think it was, if you look at this and you're not really into women's football, it does seem like a shock exit. The United States leaving um, in the round of 16 of the tournament that they were kind of still the favourites to win even really into the group stages when they weren't performing very well. But also realistically, Sweden are a a very strong nation and people who watch the sport know that they're more than capable with beating the US. But in the fashion that they did was really impressive as well. Bless them. They couldn't really string three passes together for most of the the most of the 90 um and 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 extra time as well but yeah it was that vehement defending that really got them through and Zakira Musovic as well who's um been in the in the news a lot probably because of the penalty shootout but she put in a fantastic performance throughout the game as well 
it was a cr- fantastic performance. She's prevented 44 attempts on goal so far this tournament. Is she the standout player for you in this side? Uh, who else has shone, shone through for you? Actually, I've been speaking about this today a lot. Uh, because I don't think that there is a standout player. If we're going to talk about that single game, of course, it was a Chira Musovic. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty ob- obvious in so many ways. But to me right now is that I'm very happy um, to see that Sweden play as a team. They are in harmony. They work for each other. And this is Swedish football. We don't have any superstars, even though we have that, according to to, to people and experts and fans and you, you know uh, the drill. We have Fridolina Rolfa, uh, but she is a star on paper. And this is a discussion we have had since, I think it was, I actually thought about this today. How come people criticize Sweden uh, so much lately? Because I do think that they set a, a kind of standard when they beat the USA in the Olympics with three, three to zero. Um, and then we have had demands on them. But the thing is that we're going to look at this. Sweden, they won all their three group stage games. Couldn't have done it better than that. Uh, nine points going through, get to... I mean, they they are forced uh, to go up against uh, the US uh, already in the round of 16. They won that game, even though it was by the finest margins you, you can find. So now they have won that. Uh, so to me, how they have played up till now, it doesn't matter. What matters what matter is now, how are they going to like reply uh, walking out on the pitch uh, to, to face Japan? Uh, and I do think that from watching Japan against Norway, I think I'm I'm. It's pretty easy to see where you can harm Japan. Uh, luckily, Sweden have those weapons. Yeah, we're going to go on to talk about that Japan Sweden um, quarterfinal fixture in a minute. Because um, yeah, as as you're saying there, it's going to be a really brilliant matchup of teams. But are you worried about? Um... Sweden's cohesion going going forward, like pushing forward uh, to try and to try and secure goals. Because I mean, as we saw in in this fixture, as I was saying before, really like strong defensive shape and and putting yourself behind behind the ball for for the full one hundred and twenty minutes. But they really didn't look very convincing going going forward. Is that going to potentially be an issue, or is it more of a tactical thing that they have the strength and the stamina to be able to do that and grind out results like this? I think uh, what what um, I thought when I saw uh, the the US game was that Sweden showed the US a little bit too much of respect. Uh, they dropped down deep, deeper than they probably could have done. They they could have pushed a little bit more forward, but I don't think. Like I said, the thing is that Sweden scored nine goals in the group stage. They scored five from set pieces, four from open play. That's sort of like 50-50. People tend to forget that. I I don't I, I can't understand why. Um maybe it's because Sweden are so good at set pieces, then you forget uh, the open play goals. 
so to me, I'm not I'm not that worried, actually. Uh, I think if you have, I'm going to say it like this, and I'm going to sound cocky, uh, but beating the US is not for everyone. But Sweden is one of the national teams the recent years in big tournaments uh, that have made the US look beatable. Um, so I think if you if you have knocked out the reigning uh, world champions, uh, then you are definitely a contender to go all the way, no matter how you have performed before the quarterfinal kicks off. Mia, I really don't think you're ever going to have to worry about looking cocky when speaking about Sweden whenever you're on an English-speaking podcast because we literally <laughs> sing It's Coming Home all the time, even though we've never won a Women's World Cup. And the last time we won the men's one was in 1966. My parents weren't even alive then, and that's kind of saying it all there. So don't, don't worry about it. It's true, though, what you're saying. I think you really have to have that mentality. And I guess for the USA... It's been an underwhelming tournament. What do you think the Federation will do looking back on this tournament and especially in the about like the year that ran up to this World Cup? Because it's what you're saying there. Teams suddenly had the belief that they could beat the US because we were seeing England, Spain, Sweden, like actually being able to secure Germany, being able to secure wins against against this this United States team. What is next for them apart from I potentially sacking them? manager but I'm not putting words in your mouth I'm not putting words in your mouth I think you have to look you, you can look at it, this uh, in a broader perspective from what we have seen in the tournament so far uh, it's not only the US that has to start to think about these things the gap uh, between uh, Western European nation it's it's practically closed uh, in single games that we have seen but the thing is that this is what the us um they are not alone in this like we've seen germany we've seen brazil who has a massive uh, football culture um and expectations and so on and so on uh, canada won the olympics in 2021 now they they got knocked out that that's a team that probably have a little bit of, of different like a background to why they got knocked out but they did get knocked out and Germany got knocked out and the US <laughs> has been knocked out so what we see is is a changing landscape in the women's game and the US needs to follow along they also needs needs to be flexible and see okay what before everyone was looking at the the US and ask themselves, okay, what do they do with women's football that is so good? How can we be as good? Now that has happened. I think that's what we have seen. So now it's their turn to to look out from across the pond from their side and and see, okay, we have been cat we have been caught. Like uh, we're not we're not best uh, anymore. How can we look at other nations and federations all over the world to see what are they doing good uh, so we can be good again or great again we we might say we can say <laughs> that yeah 
it's it's genuinely so exciting the um how that gap has closed in such it seems like such a short amount of time obviously behind the scenes it's been more long long term but in in the last four years from since the last world cup to now especially having it as a 32 team world cup we've seen these upsets and they've they've really been fantastic to, to watch as a bystander too. Um, Sweden will now face Japan in the quarterfinals as Japan beat Norway 3-1 in their fixture. The Japanese team have looked incredibly decisive so far this tournament. I'm still aghast at some of the incredible stats from their game versus Spain in the, in the group stages. But as you kind of alluded to before, uh, with the difference in the teams, Japan really struggle in the air and against set pieces. Whereas Sweden are very good in the air and are very good at set pieces. How do you feel that this fixture is gonna um, kind of play out? Because it's 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 re- it's gonna be really interesting. Because Japan do not need much um, to be able to score. What was it? Three touches in the opposition box, three goals against Spain. Um, but then Sweden have such as aerial supremacy uh, with set pieces that I think we're really gonna kind of see on both sides. Japan has conceded one goal in this tournament from a cross and a header. Um, this is where you can harm Japan. Um, the thing is with Japan compared to Sweden uh, so far in this tournament, and I think this is a trend in the Swedish national team, we can, we can say that uh, and be honest, that Sweden are not as clinical uh, and effective uh, when they get the chances to score as Japan. So this is where Sweden have to be very, very careful uh, if playing out from the back. And what we saw against the the US where the midfield in Sweden kind of made, like you said, they couldn't even put three passes together. Uh, You can't do that against Japan because then it's going to happen fast. Uh, But what I do think that Sweden will aim for is to not um, own possession that much because we saw what Japan did to Spain uh, with that. That's one thing. The other thing is that I do think that Sweden will aim for going down the flanks and cross uh, to get the balls into the box uh, to Fridolina Rolfe, who has the height uh, to to head home goals. Uh, Same with Stina Blackstenius. I'm going to be... I think we have like players that can come in and do this, like Lina Hurtig. She's also very good in the air, probably won't start, but she can come in and decide the game. Um, I actually rewatched uh, the the game and the quarterfinal in the Olympics between Sweden and Japan the other day. So the first goal scored uh, by Sweden in that game was a cross from outside the box from Fridolina Rolfe, to Magdalena Eriksson, uh, who scored a header. So I do think that's what we are gonna we're gonna see a Sweden that really wants to to put good crosses uh, into the third yard box to to try to harm Japan. Yeah, it's really interesting looking back that that was that was the goal that was scored. Uh, be super. I'm, I'm. This is. I think this is the fixture that I'm most excited for. Um, for um for the tournament going going forward. Um, because it'll really see if if kind of if Japan can manage their issues that they have with crosses, 
and against a team like Sweden that are so good at it, then they really are going to be contenders at winning this tournament. And then I think if Sweden can prove on the other side that they don't make themselves vulnerable for the counter-attack, then it's going to be a really, really strong performance that will see them look very good going forward. So I think this is going to really be a game that's going to decide stuff. We might look back now after the semis and see them getting both teams getting kicked out and then I have egg on my face. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's part of the fun of it, isn't it? But over to the other game that went to penalties, England versus Nigeria. The Super Falcons shut down the Lionesses over and over throughout this fixture and took them all the way to 120 minutes with nil-nil. A silly lapse in judgment by Lauren James led England to be playing with 10 players from the 87th minute onwards. The Lionesses managed to hold on through penalties. England winning on pens on an international tournament, who would have thought? It's, it's all, all new territory here for us. And they have progressed through um, through a final Kelly strike, which was faster than any Premier League goal scored last season, which is a very interesting stat. Mia, it, again, it's so good to have you on the show today because I feel like we can get into such an echo chamber here in England surrounding England's performances when it comes to football. But they have looked wholly uninspiring in the tournament so far, apart from probably Lauren James in the game against China. What's your take on on this match um, and probably their chances going forward? Do you think there are ways to paper over the cracks? Uh, well, I think that people should believe in England as like equally as we believe in in Sweden. I actually I read something about uh, that Lucy Bronze had said today during an interview or yesterday. I'm not sure, but she said that we have. We're here now. We're in the quarterfinal uh, and we have managed the obstacles and challenges that we have faced so far. Uh, that's why we we will play in the quarterfinals or something like that. She said, it's not pretty uh, all the time, but we're here. Like, And so this is what tournament football is all about. You know, and I do think that we tend, sometimes we tend to look at what has been done before a tournament, if you know what I mean. Uh, so, and what we saw was an England that had a horrible time <laughs> when I, I think it was like in seven hours they didn't score on from open play. And we have seen that a little bit now in the tournament, depending on what team they have been playing. Um, and I do think that that is also uh, not... Not sure if we're going to call it a warning sign for England, but maybe we, we should. Um, that other teams can see where can we harm England. Um, and this is why I think that their quarterfinal opponent is very interesting from looking at the Ni Nigeria game. Because I think Nigeria played, they, they actually executed probably their game plan perfectly. Um, disrupt the play, uh, frustrate the players that needed to be frustrated for England because you, you can see, okay, then, then it's not happening. What's also interesting is that England right now is facing a kind of a tough time, if you know what I mean by that, because the goals has been coming um, all the time for them, like in the Euros and and then after the Euros and then the final, then then you saw this this coming a little bit in the finalissima at Wembley. Uh, 
So we have seen this. It, it's kind of crept up on on the English fans, maybe, uh, and the English players. Um, and then you have injuries, obviously. But it, it was like for Sweden in the Euros. You, you get injuries. Uh, you get sicknesses. Uh, you need to adapt. And it's hard. Uh, we saw that with Sweden in the Euros. Uh, and now England has to do the same. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they adapt. Yeah, definitely. I think, and you saw you saw them do it a little bit um, when obviously Walsh went off injured, and we're thinking the worst that it was potentially an ACL injury, and then obviously seeing that it's now fine. And you saw that difference in um, in lineup that Serena Wiegmann uh, put forward the three five two, which kind of allowed more. Um, or running up for more freedom for for players like Lucy Bronze to to push forward. But yeah, I think England have been really unlucky um, through both injuries and, and retirements too. Uh, it's a very different England side than played in the Euros. And I think, as you say, and creeped up through the year, obviously the injury of Beth Mead um, in, in the kind of October-November time. And then Frank Kirby being ruled out as well. Ella Toon potentially not being as in form as she was last year or maybe just taking on a different role that doesn't suit her as much because she's not kind of playing that super supposition. The reliance on, on Alessia Russo also not being a kind of not coming on in on the 60th to be able to just head head stuff in. Although, to be fair, I've to be fair to her, I think Russo's having quite a strong tournament so far. She's she's playing very differently to how I've seen her play in this England side before. She's definitely... She's starting to look like she wants it a bit more. Not that she didn't before, but sometimes she'd play so relaxed and she wouldn't run and she wouldn't make runs. But now she kind of actually seems to be doing it. She's been switching. Um, she's been playing on the wings and and switching through wings and and then into that number nine position, which I really I've I've really enjoyed playing because it just seems a little little bit different. But for the Super Falcons though, this must seem like a really missed opportunity. They've consistently been forced through this World Cup and they very nearly sent England out of this tournament. I was kind of gutted when I saw that they worked out that they were going to draw England in the round of 16 because I really wanted to see them go far. Ashley Plumptra, um, who's currently without a club and she played fantastically in the game against England. I'm very excited to see where she's she's going to because apparently she's linked with a large WSL side, but I don't know who that is. Um, she commented after the game that she's tired of African teams being labelled as just strong and just fast, and that they're not counted as technical or tactical. But you can see that this Nigerian team was both technical and tactical and so, so much more than that. You said it before, they had a game plan, they executed it perfectly. I really, apart from a goal, I, I really don't think there was much more that they could have done to to quieten down this England side. Are you, re are you excited about what's going to kind of come for them in the future? Yeah, I actually said to a, a lot of my friends before uh, the round of 16 started that uh, we have three African sides going into the round of 16. And I was pretty sure that we're going to see one of them surprise. Like, um, with that being said, I actually thought that one of the teams were going to knock out um, one of the West Western side, if we, you know what I mean by that, because it was France, England, and uh, the Netherlands. Um, so I can see where Ashley Plumtree is coming from with that comment because what we see is teams that look at other teams and say, okay, this is how we have to play to beat them. Uh, we need to adapt to their style of play. We can't just be fast and strong. We need to 
to show our abilities when it comes to the tactical displays. And I think that they have really done that. Um, so I think what we saw was uh, an England side that had experience from a penalty shootout. Uh, and we had a Nigerian team that hadn't uh, this experience. So that was the difference, I think. Yeah. And obviously, I'm sure it's gutting for them too that um, Oshwala had to be minute managed during during this match. Because if if she wasn't, then obviously should um, we could all 2020 hindsight. But I really think that that would make that would have made a world of difference. But we currently don't know how long Lauren James's red card suspension will be. It's automatically one game, but can be argued probably quite strongly that it was for violent conduct. So that might be see that it's extended to three games, which would have her miss the rest of the tournament, even if England do get to the final. Is this going to be a big miss for Vigman's England? Or do you think she will be able to work around it like she did uh, with Walsh when she was out through injury? Well, first, I don't think... You can't compare uh, an absentee of Kira Walsh with someone else uh, in the English national team at the moment. Um, I do think that it's quite hard to say yet how it will affect England to be without Lauren James. Uh, we can't know if it just is the hype um, or if the players um, out on the pitch that will go out to play without her are affected, if you know what I mean. Is it just us that um, that thinks uh, that that it's gonna affect England very much, or is it actually gonna affect them? I don't think we think we can know that yet. Um, so that that's one thing. But obviously, I also do think that no matter if it's one game, two game, or or a three game uh, ban then it probably has affected and can affect Lauren James herself when going out to play. So you need, I think people need to be be aware of that too. Uh, not just say, oh, good, she, she, she just had one game ban and now she can play again. I don't think, I don't think it's that easy at the moment. Um, so... It's going to be interesting to see, but what I will say is this, and I, I will stick to this because I've said it many times the last week, England has the best manager like in this competition. She's the best in-game manager, uh, and she is the best manager to like use her players uh, to their best abilities, and she's not afraid to make changes. Yeah, big up Serena. Let's 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 not let her go after this tournament. Get get her name in that dotted line. Um, exactly. Please. I'm very much enjoying her being an England manager because yeah, it's it's also good as a as a supporter or even just someone who's like watching and trying to analyze the match when you have confidence in the manager that the manager is going to make the correct decision. I think the the only the only time that I was kind of questioning it probably throughout throughout her tenure was during that Nigeria game and probably the lack of substitutes that, that were made and the, and the lateness of that first sub because you saw, you I think it was both Beth England and Ella Toon stood, oh no, it was Chloe Kelly and Ella Toon stood on the sideline and that was just before the Lauren James incident and that happened in the 85th minute and I think that yeah. was that was the only thing that was a bit touch and go but maybe the, the, the thought was they could play to pens and they were more likely to 
be able to lock it down in the in in extra time and and as you said yeah because they have experience of it a lot of club penalty takers on the side now that it was probably more likely that they were going to win during that time but in in the quarters um England will face Colombia who saw off Jamaica 1-0 they have Lena Cansado Maria Ramirez Catalina Uzme huge other big names and big threats do you think Colombia's strong wide play uh, is going to really prove too much for this England side or are they going to be able to grind out again another win? I think that England will have to prepare for another very physical battle uh, out on the pitch. Uh, I think that they will have to prepare to get frustrated. Um that's one thing, and I do think that they have to watch out for the individual brilliance that uh, Colombia have in the team. Uh, that that's my take on it. I think that th- to me, this is this is gonna be the toughest battle England will have to go go into uh, in this tournament um, because I probably also because you know that. Colombia has beaten Germany and the way they did beat Germany was in the way that Nigeria set up their game plan against England. It was a very disrupted game, physical game, and then it's Germany, you know, (laughs) the German player knows how to play play tough football and and be physical, but they were frustrated and surprised and didn't manage to to reach the level we know that they they can play at. Uh, So if you have, this is it for me. If you have beaten uh, Germany, I think England sh- should be wary uh, of this Colombian side. The last time England faced Colombia was in the 2015 World Cup. So they also have not played each other in how long is that? Eight years? A long time. They won two, England won 2 1. Um, and Rachel Williams scored a penalty, and Karen Carney scored in the 15th minute very very different very different looking squad to the team we have now but across to the other fixtures Spain was strong in their 5-1 demolition of Switzerland and the Netherlands saw off South Africa with a comfortable 2-0 win the feeling on the last podcast was that Spain would probably be strong enough to see off the Swiss uh, but the Dutch are looking very solid at the moment you've got any predictions for how this fixture is going to pan out especially as the Netherlands have never lost a game where Jill Rord has scored and she is very much in form at the moment would you be worried if you were Spain yeah to me it's like this the Netherlands they go into this quarterfinal with no pressure to win no one is expecting the Netherlands from their like country to win because we have, what we have seen uh, people have discussing about the Netherlands is that they are in transition. They have one of the biggest stars injured. No one is expecting the Netherlands to go far in this tournament, even though we know that they are capable of doing so. But Spain, on the other hand, they are under pressure to deliver in so many ways. I mean, they have the world world's eyes on them. So to me, it's okay. Who is going to who of these teams um, are going to manage this pressure and no pressure? Yeah, definitely. And I, and again, as we were saying before, with, with, with the managers, like 
you're you're never it's always unpredictable what Jorge Vilda will will do um in in this fixture and it's whether whether these players can um can grind it out especially as the pressure that's put on Putea she still is not at 100% and so I think people kind of expect her to be able to make magic on the pitch, but she's still coming back from from her ACL in, injury and is still not quite at the levels that we saw her um, pre pre that big injury. So as as you said, yeah, there's that. Yeah, there's there's true. There's there's not that level of pressure on the Netherlands. So it'll be really interesting to see if they can make something of the fixture. But on to the final one that we're going to be talking about today: Australia beat Denmark two 0 with goals coming from. Kate Ford and Hayley Razzo and Sam Kerr even came on in the 80th for her managed minute. I think this was probably the expected outcome for this fixture as although the Danes are a solid side it would have been a tough ask to beat the Matildas as they're gaining momentum throughout this tournament. They will face France who saw off Morocco 4-0 in the final round of 16 game. Diani is very much in form at the moment and she is currently leading the leaderboard for goals and assists at seven through this tournament. I feel like both of these teams have a point to prove in this game. Do you predict a shock result or is it going to be a really tight one? I think this is probably one of the most interesting games uh, in so many ways. To me, there are the perspective of, okay, if Sam Kerr is ready to start, how will that affect uh, Australia in the way they will have to play when Sam Kerr is on the pitch compared to when she hasn't been on the pitch? Uh, Because the results without Sam Kerr has been kind of good. So it's going to be interesting to see what Australia do. Tony Gustafsson and Jens Fjellström how are they going to set this Australian team up? Uh, it's also the fact is that these two teams met in a friendly just before the World Cup kicked kicked off and then France didn't stand a chance. Uh, this is, to me, is like uh, Sweden against the US in, in the round of 16. Uh, no one can expect France be to be as bad as they were before the World Cup uh, going into this picture. Um we see a France uh, with a team full of players that play with smiles on their face when they play. We haven't seen that in a long time. We have an Australian team on home soil that did manage to really deliver under pressure uh, when going up against Canada in the last group stage game to win 4-0. So this is a very, very interesting tie with two strong national teams at the moment. If I'm being completely honest, I'm just really excited to see Eugene Le Sommer and Alana Kennedy have a scrap again um, for, for for 90 minutes. because That was really fun last time. We got some great photos out of that. <laughs> In all seriousness, no, thank you so much for coming on, Mia. That is all we have time for today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via all good podcasting platforms and give us a follow on Twitter at twfp one and on Instagram at the Women's Football Podcast. My name is Chess Warren. It's been a pleasure as always. Have a great week, everyone. The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2.